Welcome back to Eye on Health. On Dubai Eye 103.8. With MedLab Middle East. Great to have you with us. I'm Helen Farmer and you are listening to Eye on Health, brought to you by Arab Health and MedLab Middle East here on Dubai Eye 103.8. Today we're talking about quality, specifically in labs. What impact does that have on health care overall and what impact does that have on us as patients and the population? In the studio now, we've got Dr. Samir Said. He's a general manager of Connected Care and Healthcare Informatics at Philips Middle East, Turkey and Africa. And thank you for making the time. I know it's an incredibly busy couple of weeks in the healthcare industry, so I really do value your insights and expertise today, Doctor. I'd love to get a little bit of an insight into the importance of those worldwide partnerships when delivering quality healthcare. What what does that actually mean? What can you ensure by having that network? Thanks for having me, Helen. You're welcome. Uh, Your your question is very interesting because one of the key themes that we're... we're, uh, talking about you know in the last few years is uh, quality of health systems uh, health system have been historically uh, some sort of a cost center where people go get some service and they leave mm-hmm. and at a certain point uh, we found ourselves with a lot of patients because of the chronic conditions getting uh, increasing and at a certain point we say okay uh, we have these f- resources we have this time the problem is that the only thing that we can probably mm-hmm. uh, uh, balance is, you know, what is quality healthcare. So, is it mass healthcare, or is it, or is it really precision diagnosis and precision medicine healthcare? Mm-hmm. And therefore, since the last probably five years, uh, now we're really interested in that because costs cannot continue to increase like that because at a certain point the system will crumble. Uh, waste in healthcare is something that is well-known since years. And therefore, at a certain point, we need to look at it from a value that the health systems are bringing. Mm-hmm. And the only uh, player in that uh, to measure that is the patient and the patient experience. So when we look at the patient experience, uh, when you think of it in the last 100 years, the patient experience didn't change much. Talk us through that, what you mean by patient experience. Take a patient 100 years ago. A patient has symptoms, probably consults a doctor, a GP, uh, gets potentially some tests, a prescription, and he disappears. Out the door. Uh, take it now, patient experience symptoms. You will have fancy technology, fancy devices there. They might have a Google before they go and see a doctor. Correct. <laughs> and I, use, I used to say to my, to, my, uh, to my patients, don't confuse me with Google search mm-hmm. because I went to, uh, to school right, for that. Uh, but, but the experience is the same, you know, mm-hmm. symptoms, uh, appointment, doctor, lab tests, probably fancy tests. But then, you know, the journey, the journey stops. Uh, what we did is that we, we, we embedded a lot of technologies, right, in that, you know, fancy computers, screens, and, and, and all those, those. But the patient experience itself didn't really change. So what we're looking at now is how do we ensure that the patient, wherever the patient can be, at home, in the hospital, in the primary care uh, clinic, gets the same level of service mm-hmm. and quality service. And consistency. And consistency. Well. And this is where technology can help. Because one of the things that we do not have is enough doctors and nurses. Nobody has across the globe. Mm-hmm. So we are currently 14 million short of <gasps> caregivers in the world. Okay. And it won't change because... Oh, gosh. Whatever you do, you need 10 years to have a doctor. Mm-hmm. You can't compress not, this time. It's not an right? instant fix. Yeah. So you, n- you need that. The problem is that 
post-COVID, we see less interests mm -hmm. from the youth, you know, going into medical medical school. We see quitting. Uh, so yep. this will add uh, will add pressure. And therefore, we look at it from the, the quality of the experience perspective. We look at it from the how technology can be pervasive enough to help the health system, not to replace a doctor, but no. to augment the capacity of a doctor. So that removing some of those friction points, whether that is, I don't know, paperwork, for example. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, usually a doctor worldwide, on average, spends anywhere between 40 to 50 minutes a day just on admin tasks. An hour a day, it's a long time for a doctor. Mm -hmm. So you can see potentially three more patients, right? Uh, and there are a lot of redundant activities that can be automated. And this is where a lot of people talk about artificial intelligence, for example, you know, as potentially help in replacing doctors. But actually, for me, uh, artificial intelligence cannot be seen as a product, but can be see, seen as a means to improve the way care is delivered. And therefore, you know, some admin tasks can be done by artificial intelligence because they are you know, redundant. Yeah. They don't add value mm -hmm. to the doctor, to the doctor's mission, which is first to care for the patient. And have that human to human connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. You see, I mean, I, I don't know if you had the experience. I hope I hope not. But if or, or, or uh, someone from from your friends or acquaintances, uh, you go to the doctor and now the doctor barely looks at you because he looks at the screen because he needs to enter information into his into into a system. Right. You're right. The, the, I feel like that eye contact is reduced. Yes. You, you have the look and then you have the look away in the typing. Exactly. You have a look exactly. and then it's back to the exactly. screen. Exactly. And when you add up all the looks that you have, that you get, it's actually probably 10-15% of the time, you know, the side time. That's an interesting point, actually, because I think it can take an, an awful lot of courage sometimes for someone to go to the doctor. They yeah. might be living with something, they might have normalized the way they feel, symptoms, pain, and it can feel like a big step to actually put yourself in a position where you're having to share how you're feeling, yeah. to share vulnerabilities, Correct. to perhaps hear news that you don't want to get. Yeah. And then if you're faced with an experience that you find unpleasant or off-putting or diminishing in some way, without that stays e with you. W with, without even noticing it, you've just described the patient experience. It is important because it, it will define or determine the outcome of whatever intervention is, is being mm -hmm. done. Uh, and I'm not saying that to criticise doctors, just to be really, really yeah, clear, yeah, yeah, yeah. because um, I think what you addressed earlier is is so crucial when we think about the level of burnout, the level of expectation. And I think here in the region, I've had much more positive um, you know, patient experiences yep. than I'm certainly hearing about from um, other parts of the world. And I'm Correct. not going to name Absolutely. any right now, but I think Absolutely. a lot of people who are reading the news internationally will, will, will understand that. Absolutely. Um, and that's not to say that the quality of educational care is diminished, but those expectations and yeah, it's, it's, it's increased. Expectation, expectations from patients are higher, understandably. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we used to everything fast now. Yes. <laughs> and the, the other thing is that at a certain point, the, the, the health systems uh, need to cope with the demand mm -hmm. because the demand of patients is, being, uh, is becoming more sophisticated mm -hmm. because they are more educated about their conditions and, and, and so on, specifically, specifically the chronic conditions. So they come with uh, some sort of baggage of information already, right? Yes. Uh, and therefore, kind of the, the, the doctor has to kind of balance between the needs of the patient, completely legitimate, and the needs of the health system for it to function right. And therefore, you know, the use of technology. But I see technology or the pervasiveness of technology as something that is absolutely needed. It's because, an opportunity. Because it, it, 
not only it will automate some operational tasks, mm. but from the clinical perspective, it will help the doctor do things faster in a more accurate way. Take that, imaging. I was just about to say, let's talk accuracy. Yes. Imaging is a great example. Talk T- us through take that. imaging. So, so normally, you know, you, ha- you have a radiologist that take, you know, they fix, uh, we'll, we'll do an example. I've yeah. got terrible knees. Yes. They're the knees of an 85 year old. Yeah. Okay. So I finally decide that I've got time in my schedule to go and see a doctor and, you know, I which think. You should, which you should have found before, but yeah, but you it's know, okay. we're Go all ahead. busy. Yeah. I put I put my kids first. Their yeah. appointments are yeah. sorted. Okay. But you know, yeah. I finally got myself to the doctor, and it's time to actually have these X-rays done. Yeah. For example, mm-hmm. what what next? Okay. So usually, I mean, put yourself from your perspective, but put yourself from the perspective of the doctor. Mm-hmm. At the end, you know, you are uh, uh, a lady coming with a knee problem, uh, probably one of you know, 20, 30, 50 that he will see that day, mm-hmm. right? That would have a problem. So at a certain point, uh, some of the images that will be taken of your knees can be first analyzed by an application, an artificial intelligence application, that can say there is something that is abnormal. She has no cartilage. <laughs> no, but but, th- but this is obviously right. machine, no, this is machine learning. They're learning mm-hmm. from from the data that could be looking back at thousands and thousands of, of knee x-rays, for Correct. example. Correct. Because you need a lot of data to put, to put up uh, uh, an accurate AI application. So what, what for this doctor, so for your experience, you will have something on top of the eyes of the doctor, right? But for the doctor, so if he sees 100 x-rays of knees a day, uh, you'll be lucky if you are in the top five that he sees. And then if you, have, if you are 92 or 93rd, then, you know, the fatigue, you know, at a certain point. So what if there's a system that actually looks, scans all those, these hundred images and then prioritize for him to look at the images that might be abnormal. Mm-hmm. And this is enhancing and augmenting the doctor's capacity without adding any doctor. Mm-hmm. If we look further, you know, if you look MRIs and, and so on, uh, we look at images that you know needs to be taken, and it's it's not it's not a, an agreeable experience. You know, being That's in this horrible. tube. Had one last month. It was horrible. It's it's horrible, right? And think of a kid doing exactly the same thing. I know. So what we do is that actually there there is there is artificial intelligence that reconstructs the image so that the 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 scan time is shorter. Mm-hmm. So we can reduce the scan time by thirty five percent, which is a third. So imagine when you were in this tube that actually you, you could have stayed one third of the time less. Mm-hmm. Imagine a kid. So that's why we look at it from, you know, how technology can really be completely transparent for the patient, but actually augments this, this, this accuracy. And this, this is part of what we call quality of healthcare. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, uh, because of, the, because of the, uh, the, what, what I call the cost of non-quality, it's huge in the US only. The US is a $4 trillion business healthcare, 4 trillion, right? 1 trillion of which is waste. <gasps> no, so when you say waste, doctor, what, what comes under that umbrella for us to understand? Uh, exams that are done again and again, redundant exams that mm-hmm. were not needed. Exams that were, were done in the first place without being needed, uh, medical errors, uh, administrative tasks that are done by three, four people when you, ha- you need only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, cost of all the labs that maybe you don't need 
because if you have some system that can read through your medical history, your medical labs, and then maybe you just need to do one lab exam instead of doing 10, right? So at a certain, when, when you look at one, one trillion, it's, it's a lot. Wow. It's a lot. This is the GDP of Saudi Arabia every year, wasted. So oh we're not talking, uh, you know, uh, petty cash, right? So when, when, you look, when you look at it in the, in the next kind of uh, study have been done, has been done and by 2040, which is tomorrow, right? Uh, the waste in medical care would be 25 trillion. 25 trillion is four Japans, it's six Germanys, it's eight Frances per year. So it's a huge amount of money. At a certain point, either we decide that we need to, to this technology to be pervasive enough mm -hmm. to decrease this waste, because there will be always, in all industries, there will be some waste, right? But it can be significantly yeah. reduced. And this is where value-based healthcare gets in. So can I ask you then, what, to your mind, are some of the barriers, whether that is practical or of an, of an attitude, for example, to stop the implementation of things that are actually very much available? Absolutely. I, I will have two examples. One is the, uh, uh, a little bit of uh, legacy problem. Uh, historically, healthcare technology has been, while existing, but has been quite lagging behind it's, yeah, it's been this, in terms it's, of technology adoption. And I, I understand why, because you're talking about lives. Correct, correct. But, but, systems exist, right? Uh, very modern, advanced lab systems, radiology systems, uh, uh, whatever, you can think of it. The problem in healthcare is that those systems were silos into, inside one system, and mm -hmm. therefore those silos didn't talk to each other. Yeah. So one key thing that needs to happen, and this is what we do at Philips, is all that, that we call interoperability, where the systems start to talk to each other, connected exchange care. connected care, and this is what I do. And therefore, you know, all this flow of data that seamlessly goes through you know, all the system, and then you, it means that instead of the patient traveling from a silo to another, then the patient becomes at the center of care. Mm -hmm. And the whole system uh, revolves around the patient. And this is what we call patient-centric healthcare. The other thing is a little bit of, uh, you know, hesitation in terms of technology adoption because this, of this uh, uh, thinking that, you know, it's healthcare, it's a human interaction, which is fine. I'm a doctor, I'm a psychiatrist, so human interaction, I know what it is, you know, I need to look my patient in the eye when I talk to them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem is that technology adoption doesn't mean that you actually, the fact that you, you're, having, you're having more inner, more technology, you're actually freeing time for this human interaction. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you actually went, do you know your banker? For example, no. when was the last time? It's you a went very to a nice bank? bank manager at my local Emirates NBD, but and I did pop in to say her staff were fantastic. Yeah, but when I was the last time you you actually went to a travel agency to buy a, f a flight ticket? No, never. Uh, since I was you like see? a teenager. Yeah, it's the same technology. The problem is that healthcare has been lagging behind in adopting that, and I go back to what I started with, because when it comes to the experience in finance, in travel, in hospitality, anywhere, it has dramatically changed, right? Mm -hmm. The patient experience in healthcare is still the same. Mm -hmm. Symptoms, you go to the doctor, you go to the hospital and you do exactly the same thing. Right? Can I ask you then, lastly, because I know you need to get back to your busy day, doctor, what are some of your hopes, or should I say predictions, for the next 10 to 20 years, for example, and how that could impact people listening today and ultimately their patient experience? Yeah, you, you, look, uh, everyone is talking about AI, artificial intelligence. and uh, I do believe this is not just a trend. It will dramatically change the way 
we do things uh, for, for, for three reasons. One is that it's becoming extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. In my humble opinion, it will never replace a doctor, but it will dramatically increase the capacity of doctors. The third thing is that at a certain point, cost needs to be kind of uh, contained because nobody has the means worldwide to, to pay for, for this cost. And third, we really need to look at you know a, a diverse way of procuring healthcare, meaning that the healthcare should not be given only in hospitals or in clinics. And therefore, I predict that, for example, the home will become one health hub where you can provide healthcare at the home of the patient in the comfort of his own or her own home because the technology can do it. And we do it, for example, at Philips. We do remote home monitoring. So basically, the patient can, can go at home. What kind of conditions would you be talking for about? For cardiology conditions, for example, the patient doesn't... Bec you have a, a, a cardiology incident, you go, to, you go to a hospital, and then you are... You know, you're kept in the hospital because they need to monitor you for mm -hmm. a certain time. And but you have nothing to do. No, and there's also an artificial environment as well. Exactly. And therefore, what we do is that, you know, we send the patient home, but there is a system, you know, patches and so on that remote, remotely monitor this, this patient so that, you know, one, you free a hospital bed, two, you increase the patient experience, mm -hmm. and third, you know, you increase the, 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 the caregiver experience, right? Mm -hmm. And you optimize your cost. And therefore, if there is an incident, then there is an alert to the caregivers so that they can intervene at home, or then they can bring the, the patient back. So all these technologies, while they exist, uh, take the uh, during COVID, you know, all these telehealth, teleconsultation, and technology existed for 15 years before COVID. And then we really needed it. The, pro the problem <laughs> is that, you know, adoption was quite slow. Yeah. And usually in healthcare, you need some sort of disruptive moment for people to jump ship, right? We had that. Exactly, and therefore now, Telehealth, tele teleconsultation, you know, is something that people are very comfortable with yeah. because they get the, the same, same, you know, God forbid, but if, if you are a diabetic person, well, you know, well treated, everything is okay. Uh, why would you have to, ha to go to the doctor every three months just to get a refill? Uh, you know, you need to go to the hospital, you know, an hour probably. You need to wait probably an hour to get to the doctor. He will see you 10 minutes and then you will have to, uh, it's half a day. It's, right. It's looking for childcare. It's taking time off work. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is the for me, quality is systems, mm -hmm. you know, better systems that provide uh, better results, but also better experience. Because at the end, at the end, healthcare is all about the patient. Human connected care. Absolutely. Dr. Said, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Really, really appreciate it. For anyone who wants to learn more about what you're doing there at Philips, is there any resources that people could be looking at? Yeah, you can go at uh, philips.com. Can I give my email address? You, you know, absolutely can. Okay, so it's samir.saeed, S-A-M-I-R dot S-A-I-D at philips.com. And I would be very happy to continue any kind of conversation. Well, thank you for your time. Really, my really pleasure. value it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Stay tuned for more from me, Helen Farmer, as we find out how quality healthcare is being implemented at Cleveland Clinic in Abu Dhabi. Eye on Health with MedLab Middle East on Dubai Eye 103.8.